We begin by making an act of faith in the real presence here with our Lord. As we set aside this time, after a little bit of time of fraternity, we set aside this time to focus in silence in front of our Lord so that we can make this Advent truly fruitful. Now every, every year the liturgy leads us to Christmas gradually using those three guides, Isaiah, the prophet, and John the Baptist, and Mary, our Blessed Mother, the prophet, the precursor, and the mother. Isaiah announced the Messiah from afar, from centuries before. John the Baptist showed him here and pointed to him right here in this world. And our Blessed Mother, well, she bore him in her womb. That beautiful progression that we are, that we are part of in the Church. Now, Our Lady didn't celebrate Advent. She simply really lived it in her flesh. <coughs> like every mother bearing a child, she, she knows what it means uh, to be waiting for somebody that, that is about to come. And she can help us in approaching Christmas with that expectant faith that she had. That's why we can contemplate our Blessed Mother in the different scriptural mysteries of the Rosary. Every year during the recollection of December, we go over the different mysteries of the infancy, the joyful mysteries, in particular the Annunciation, the Visitation, and the and uh, the Nativity of our Lord. Last year we focused on the Annunciation. This year we want to focus a little bit more on the passage of the Visitation. The Visitation, like the Annunciation and all the mysteries of the Rosary, are properly called mysteries. They're not a story, they're not a tale, they're not an anecdote, but a mystery. Something hidden for us to come and draw out something that can be revealed. In pagan antiquity, the word mystery was used to designate something, a kind of like a, an esoteric doctrine known only to a few. It involves certain secret ceremonies, maybe performed in private, just for the initiated. But for us Christians... They have been things, these mysteries that have been tightly guarded and kept, and, but guarded not from knowledge, but from profane knowledge, from simply being seen with human eyes or mere human understanding. A mystery is really something that ultimately surpasses all human understanding. That's how we have to see these mysteries of the rosary, whether it's the Annunciation or the Visitation, because these are... Mysteries that are ultimately incomprehensible or even, you could say, unaccessible to mere human vision and human knowledge. It is really a supernatural truth eh, that is given to us and to our finite uh, intelligence. That's it's why it's, it's important to meditate on these mysteries. That's how we gain access to 
God's truth in them. And through prayer, through study, through meditation, through experience, we can really grow in faith and develop our understanding of what the Lord has revealed in these mysteries. There are, after all, the mysteries of the rosary. And we've meditated them and, and pictured them and, and offered them so often. And when it comes to the visitation, well, we know the story. The angel had told the Blessed Virgin that Elizabeth, who was sterile, who was old-aged, was now in her sixth month. And uh, the angel specifically said, because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. And, uh, you know, there's a whole line of figures in the Old Testament of people who are sterile. You know, get Hannah, who gives birth to Samuel. Of course, you know, um, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. And, and now it's as though Elizabeth were part of that Old Testament tradition of sterile couples. And it's now giving Mary, upon knowing this, so much hope. It meant, really, that this woman who was sterile and aged could now be pregnant, meant that God was really acting, He was really doing something, He was inviting us uh, to participate in this. And so she said yes to the angel, she gave her fiat to God, and after that, upon saying yes to God, was impelled to go and visit her cousin Elizabeth. The angel didn't say, go and visit Elizabeth, you have to do this now. She just said, by the way, she's six months pregnant. And that impelled her to go. And so it reminds us that when we say yes to God, when we really open our hearts to His will for us, suddenly well, we become more willing, more sound in our footsteps, in our decisions. Suddenly we no longer are stressed or worried about what God might ask of us. Even if He asks us to forego something that is very dear to us, we'll do it. We'll run. He'll give us the grace. And He'll give us this ability to have a heart with greater generosity. We all know often in the diocese, during normally I suppose in the, in the springtime, as the summer is coming in, the rumors start about who's going where, which priest is going to move, be moved where. This priest is going to that parish and so forth. And... and uh, we may start to worry about whether or not we will be changed. Uh, we know we still have some years to go in the appointment that we have. But maybe it happens we are, get concerned about this parish or that parish. If I'm going to be sent to a poor one, a rich one, one far away, a liberal one, or this or that. And we can, we can start to lose the divine taste in our mouth for our vocation. What happened to Our Lady? She went with haste. Ayn Karim was like 80 kilometers away or something. And, and so she didn't go nonchalantly or uninterested or slowly. She went with haste through this hill country of Judah, which would have been understood as being the land of King David, where he had grown up. And now the Messiah was coming from that same lineage. <coughs> she went with haste. Meaning, she went with meaning, with a sense of purpose. And uh, this is how we have to see our nominations, the work we do in the parish. If we were called down to the chancery, we have to see, go with haste. <laughs> go with haste, right? Maybe 
We can say that externally, but we have to let it touch us internally if we are full of trepidation. Our founder said this was an act of loyalty. He said in, in furrow, turn your eyes towards the Blessed Virgin and see how she practices the virtue of loyalty. When Elizabeth needs her, the gospel says that she went cum festinazione, joyfully making haste. Learn from her. As we ask our Lord now to, what this really means in our life as priests to go with haste, to go cum festinazione. With haste, maybe it sounds like we're running late in traffic and we're, we're stressed and but of course, if we were to be running straight late in traffic, we're probably late because we were procrastinating at one point before we, le we left. We just had one extra thing to do, and that, so we procrastinated leaving. But Our Lady just went off in haste, that is, with a desire to serve, with no real concern for her own comfort, her own security. And uh, of course, when we think of the visitation, it's not just the actual trip there, the walking, it's also the encounter, it's also the Magnificat that Our Lady expresses in Thanksgiving. But she was really there to help, to serve. There was this intense joy at her presence, this desire to help, and this passion in her understanding of what was taking place. Haste is not stress. It's not some form of anxious activism. Haste is a willfulness to be of service, ultimately to be the best version of ourselves. Because if we really want to be of service, we have to be a better priest, a better version. You can do this in the rectory, you can do this in the intensity of your work, the way you interact with your parishioners, Pope Benedict describes Mary's visit and her movement to St. Elizabeth as the first Eucharistic procession. Isn't that a beautiful image? It was a Eucharistic procession. The first one in history. Because she's the living tabernacle of God, made flesh. She's the Ark of the Covenant in whom the Lord visited and redeemed His people. And uh, Jesus' presence filled her with the Holy Spirit. And when she entered Elizabeth's house, her greeting just overflowed with grace. John leapt in Elizabeth's womb as though he were aware of the coming of the one whom he would proclaim to Israel, as though his mission had now already started, as though he were already beginning to indicate the Messiah. The children exalted in the womb and the mothers exalted. And that meeting really was imbued with the joy of the Holy Spirit, expressed naturally in the canticle of the Magnificat. Magnificat anima mea domino. Some say that John leapt in the womb because at that moment Jesus was freeing John from the bond of original sin. Sometimes it is said that 
John didn't have an original sin and that it was our Lord himself who freed him there in that moment. Well, it's not a doctrinal uh, you know, truth transmitted, but it's clear that there was a, a contact with Jesus and Mary that, well, that, that undoubtedly affected John and it is said even diminished the grip of sin upon him and eventually shattered the binding force and slavery of sin. You know, our Lord said that he was, he was the greatest of all men, born of a woman, he was the greatest. Perhaps by the time he said that, St. Joseph had already passed away. And we know sin is indeed a, a slavery, and Jesus and Mary came to give us true freedom. And we ask our, our Lord now to give us a, a better understanding of this visitation that, you know, that maybe the Lord also during Christmas wants to make us free of anxiety, free of agitation. And when we do experience them, we can lean into them and ask the Lord to make us stronger. And the image of Mary and Elizabeth encountering each other can also be seen as an image of the priesthood too. Mary received that gift of the child in her womb, but she didn't keep it for herself. She went in haste to share that gift with others. And we can't keep our priesthood for ourselves. We can't simply do things merely the way we like it, kind of live a comfortable existence, have everything we need. And we have to give our Lord to others. That's the whole essence of our priesthood. We are ministers of God and therefore mediators. And we have to mediate by giving others the sound doctrine, the truth of the gospel, the love for the gospel, the love for Jesus. But let's stop at that one word. She went with haste. That expression is a kind of anti-procrastination method. It's the opposite of procrastination, to go with haste. Procrastination kind of shrinks our priesthood, constricts the gift of ourselves. We, we say later, I will do it later. And uh, it's like a pathogen that weakens our dedication and our drive. How often have I said later? Later. I'll do this later. I don't feel like doing it now. That's it's, it's inevitably a form of procrastination. I remember reading a book many years ago. It was titled in Spanish, Después. Después. Later. And the guy, the priest, went over all the ways in which we say later, ultimately we procrastinate. When we just say later, it's really a way of embracing lukewarmness in our soul. Whether it's in our exchanges with difficult people, doing the duties, the, the, the demands of our vocation. Procrastination is like anchoring lukewarmness and laziness into our priesthood. It's the opposite of what Our Lady did. Lukewarmness. She went with haste. But if we allow in any way lukewarmness to set in, it can really immunize our soul from true generosity. We have to have, you know, this, 
this generosity embedded in our soul. But if lukewarmness comes in, it's as though generosity just can't stick. It just can't embed itself. It's like, it's like bad Velcro. It doesn't stay. And Mary's fiat changed everything. Picture now her joy, her quick pace, her awareness of Jesus within her, her determination to carry out God's will despite the possible uh, obstacles. All these things made for a fairly long trek to this place, Ain Karim, or Ain Karim. We can imagine Our Lady, we can, we can admire Her Majesty, inspired by that humility, that simplicity. Sometimes the scenes of the visitation, the paintings, show Mary and Elizabeth greeting. And in the background you see Joseph. And Joseph who's, you know, tying up the donkey or he is um, watching over the supplies. He stays kind of hidden in the background. You don't barely, you barely notice him. And of course, that haste is why she was easily able to say at the wedding at Cana, do whatever he tells you. Remember he told the servants when there was no wine, do whatever he tells you. He'll fix this. But you have to do what he tells you. She didn't say, don't just wait. Just wait till he comes. She said, really, do whatever he tells you. Pour that water. That might seem an easy task. And there might indeed be other things that we have to do that are not just pouring water, but that are even quite disagreeable. Indeed, we all have to meet people sometimes that are quite disagreeable. But they have been placed there in the pathway of our sanctity to sanctify us, to purify us, and to improve our priesthood. Do whatever he tells you, she says. That, in some way, she had embedded this in her soul. We always have to do what the Lord wants of us in our priesthood. And uh, it is said that when Elizabeth met or greeted Mary, she might have met her with that typical greeting, Shalom, peace be with you. Well, that's a, it's a beautiful greeting. Pax, Shalom, peace. We can ask ourselves in the presence of God now, you know, do I, do I ooze out peace, serenity? Do people see me as a man of peace, a man of God, a man of serenity? Is the parish that I live in a place of serenity? Or is there a lot of upheaval? Is there a lot of gossip? Is there a lot of talk? Is there a lot of uh, agitation, disorder? And we can ask our Blessed Mother now to help us to, to be able to do all these things with peace. Whatever struggles we may have or difficulties, that we, that we be men of peace. Especially now, during this time of Christmas, for many people it's actually a very lonely time. It's a sad time for them. They recognize that they've lost family or, or whatever it may be. So we, we have to be those men of peace. And it can only happen if we are, of 
course, uh, deeply anchored in our love for Jesus and our Blessed Mother. That's really what will make us ready to work even in the most difficult circumstances. You know, like in the book of Genesis, when Jacob was uh, fleeing from his brother Esau after he had duped him or tricked him, he went into the land of his uh, uncle Laban and he thought that maybe he could find work there. And when he arrived in the land, as you know, he arrived uh, in, the, uh, in the sort of outskirts of the land and there he saw a well with some women at the well. And there's a beautiful passage where the book of Genesis said that he saw Rachel, he wanted to, he was just stunned, he wanted to marry her immediately. He asked his, his uncle Laban, that was his daughter, if he could marry her. And so Laban said, sure, yeah, yeah, but you have to work for me for seven years and then you can marry, you can marry her. Seven years. There's a beautiful line where so Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of the greatness of his love for her. He, he was ready to, 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 to serve, to work in the, in, the, in the fields but they seemed like a few days because of the greatness of his love. What about your priesthood? What about your work during Advent? What about your, in general, your priesthood? You know, do you find like life is long? Right? Do, you, do you find that the days pass slow with difficulty? Is it possible that your pers- perseverance is something heavy? You know, how many years have you persevered now in the priesthood? How many years have you given our Lord your life? Well, sometimes the spiritual life drags on. It, it can be heavy for different reasons. Uh, Temptations tease us, uh, scruples worry us. Sometimes to be dead and buried and safe in purgatory seems to be the limit of our peevish ambitions. And why is this? Why do we fall into lukewarmness? Because we don't serve Jesus out of love, with haste. If we did serve Him out of love with that passion, we would be As with Jacob, years would seem but days for the greatness of our love. Years would seem like days. Is it possible that I might serve you, Lord, out of love? So we have to really dream about serving the church, serving our parish, our bishop, with that intense, passionate love. Not living for ourselves, but living truly for others. St. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians when he talks about the real importance of everybody finding a place in the church, the mystical body of Christ, that, you know, everybody has a place. Some people work in the parish. Other people do their apostate in their professional work. Others take care of the family. We have to have a very well, solid, anchored sense of what our place is in the mystical body of Christ. Like St. Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, 
some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of faith and, the, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. He talks about we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine. Let's not be tossed to and fro by our every wind of doctrine, by our emotions, by how we feel. I'm tired, I'm not tired. My desire to make a good impression, my desire to do this in a way that I will be appreciated. We have to know our place. And sometimes we will not be appreciated at all. Or we'll be looked upon with indifference. We still have to be building out the body of Christ with haste. Find our place in it with haste. Our role in the church. Now a special role that we have to play during Advent is live out that spirit of penance through our prayer. Transmitting a sense of peace where we are. You know, when was it a few days ago or, or maybe it's coming up when John the Baptist is described and our Lord describes to the messengers who John the Baptist really was. He says, what did you go up to see in the wilderness? A reed swaying in the wind? What did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Look, those who wear elegant clothing and live in luxury are found in palaces. Am I a reed tossed in the wind? What did you go out to see? Well, definitely John the Baptist was not a reed tossed in the wind by opinion or what other people thought. He had his mission. He was very clear. He didn't change his opinion based on what other people thought. And what a beautiful dream that Paul had when he imagined the wonders of a soul that really gave itself a hundred percent. The beauty of a vocation is not in its effectiveness, its apparent doing many things. It is rather that fact that we have said yes to God unstintingly, unhesitatingly, with haste, really to the full, all the way, because we are part of the mystical body of Christ. You know, St. Teresa she said, when she read that from St. Paul, she said she didn't know which part of the body she was. She didn't recognize herself uh, in the apostles. She didn't recognize in the prophets. She didn't recognize herself in the evangelists. She didn't recognize herself in the pastors. She couldn't recognize herself at all. She was getting really down. Until she realized, she realized that she was part of the mystical body, but she would be the heart pumping good oxygenated blood to the rest of the body. She would be a heart that is able to love. And she was hidden away for years in that little monastery or that, or that convent, but she knew her place. She would be in the church to love. And how true that vocation became for her, pumping that good blood with her prayer, with her sacrifice, with her penance, with her service. We can be very dangerous men, my brother, if we are like contemplatives but that are guided by nobody and just do our thing. We believe in our own visions and uh, 
We obey the attractions of inner voice, but we never listen to other men. We don't let ourselves be guided. We ask our Blessed Mother, help us go with true haste, following God's will, God's divine plan for us, and persevere in our vocation, obey God's will in spiritual direction. And now is the time to look, have I really been going with haste? Or have I been rather lukewarm, nonchalant? We ask our Blessed Mother this, so that we might really live this time of Advent with haste. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.